All right, we are in part three of our series called The End. We are dealing with end times things, and uh, we are actually going to wrap it up. It's a short three-part series, and uh, but it is going to catapult us into the next series that will start in two weeks. Uh, next week is the week before Thanksgiving, and we need to we need to spend a week really uh, re-upping ourselves as far as the spiritual discipline of thankfulness. Very, very important. So we'll do that next week. And then the following week, we will start a new series called You In, which is, uh, you know, hey, who who's saved and who isn't? Isn't that important to know? Who's going to heaven and who's not? As Jesus had a lot to say about that. So we're going we're gonna to cover that over some time because that's not something to get wrong, is it? <laughs> that's not something to be off on. So we want to be able to make sure we get there. And so, so far with the end, the end time scenarios and things like that, things that we've covered is that Jesus is coming back. That it's not just die and go to heaven. It's Jesus is coming back here. There will be people on the earth who see him come on the clouds. And this moment will happen. It doesn't matter what the culture thinks. It doesn't matter what the news covers. He's coming back. And it will be a worldwide event. And it will just be amazing. Jesus is coming back. Uh, three things you need to know about the return of Christ. First, Jesus will be in a different mood when He comes back this time than the first time. The first time it was baby in a manger ushering in the day of salvation. This time, it's iron scepter crushing the nations like pottery. It's very different. He will rule. Second thing, um, we're not sure when it's going to happen, but we can know the season. We can know, you know, kind of the, the, it's about to happen or we're getting close. And third, this is the most important one, kind of ties into what we'll cover today, is that today is more important to you and me than that day will be. As amazing as Jesus coming on the clouds and all the other things that will happen with that, as amazing as that is, today is more important to you and me than that day. In that day, we won't have choices. We won't get to use our creative capacity to change things. Or It's, it's just going to be happening. And we're going to be happening with it. And there's not going to be a whole lot that we're going to be doing. Um, today is the day that is most important. Yeah, last week we talked about the rapture and the tribulation. There will be people who are alive when Jesus comes back on the earth and the believers are going to like meet him in the air. They're going to like they float up in the sky or like all of a sudden go Floop and be gone. I'm not sure. Um, you got to get yourself a rapture hatch if you're a, a good believer. Uh, it, it, Mike sent that out on Facebook. You know, the, when the when if it's not a disappear thing, well, if you just float up in the air, we'll all be stuck on the ceiling, <laughs> right? That'd be a problem. Maybe the Lord hasn't thought of that. So you have a you want to have a rapture hatch in your roof, so that up you go, no problems, right? It's very okay. I spend I spend years getting you to trust me, and then I do that. You know what's the deal? All right. Yeah, yeah, we could have the picture up there. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so this, this rapture is going to happen, and also the tribulation, like the worst series of disasters and horror ever in the history of the world is going to happen. Worse than has ever happened, and worse than will ever happen in the future. It's going to be very, very, very bad. The tribulation, the great tribulation. And so, one of the things that people try to figure out is, okay, so what is the order of this? If I'm a good believer, am I floating first? And then uh, all the bad stuff happens? Or am I going to have to live through the bad stuff and then float away? You know, this is, this is uh, significant to people. And uh, I guess just in a nutshell, what I would say is, be ready for whatever. Uh, even if you don't live through the Great Tribulation, you may live through your own personal tribulation. In fact, don't we all live through various difficulties? Some people think that if you're a Christian, God won't let you go through hard things. Um, and that's... Do you remember the 12 disciples? Yeah. Um, one of them lived to old age, exiled on a barren island. Ten of them were murdered. And one committed suicide. It, it, you can be set up for some false expectations if you think that everything is just going to be rosy and awesome. You know, I love Jesus now. I'll get a raise and, and no one will ever say anything mean to me and, and uh, I'll always be excited about facing the new day. And You know, well, guess what? Uh, you still have to live your life. There's still battles to fight. There, it's you still got to plow through certain days. You know, it's just part of the deal. So be ready. Um, certainly, well, just to be blunt, certainly don't let your not wanting to go through something change your theology. You know, uh, it doesn't matter what you want. You have no impact <laughs> on how these things are going to happen. They're going to happen, and we just need to figure out what's going on. All right, and so today, we are going to talk about final judgment. So Jesus is coming, rapture and tribulation, and then there's this the judgment. So does that sound fun? Get excited? Yeah. Did you know, for the Christian, judgment is a positive thing? You know, if you, if you get a report card and it's all A's, that's judgment. You just were judged in a positive way. You know? And so for us, there is a renewing of the mind that needs to happen with the believer that this is a good thing. That when Jesus comes and we stand before God, that we can have some confidence to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Now, if you haven't been doing the well done and good, good and faithful servant type stuff, then I would encourage you to make an adjustment at this time. But judgment is a good thing for the believer. And so let's pray and we will talk about that. Father, I do thank you for your holy scriptures. I thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Father, for your truth. I thank you that you don't just leave us here to wander around as orphans doing the best we can, but you guide us by your spirit and you guide us by your word. So, Lord, do bless our time right now. Help us to see what you've got for us. Help us to take a step forward. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Judgment. All right, this one I think is a little tricky. 
um, because there are two very, very significantly different approaches to talking about God and uh, what He thinks of us and eternal judgment in the uh, in the extrapolation of that. So, uh, there are two very significant ditches with regards to judgment. The first one I'll go over here, which I would say was very popular um, 50 years ago, which I, I kind of consider to be spiritual terrorism, where it's a very heavy, you, are, you disgusting freak, you're going to burn, you sick, you know, just this, ugh, you know. And uh, when I was uh, younger, I got a access to an old Billy Graham sermon from the 50s on a record. I had to listen to it on a record player. And, uh, and that dude was mad. You know what I mean? Billy, I mean, he was fiery, spitting mad. I mean, he was screaming. It wasn't a presentation of the gospel as we would consider it today. I mean, he would have been probably in his mid-twenties or I don't know how old. He, I mean, he was young. So, you know, young people, are, he's got a lot of energy and all that stuff. But, I mean, he was, you could feel the seething just Gah! in his voice. And, you know, imagine if you're six and you, they bring you to church and that's what you get. What's gonna, how are you gonna feel that? Cause you're not gonna understand it really. You're just gonna know, ah, you know, God is mean. He's mean, mean. And you do him wrong and he will, he doesn't kill you. He tortures you forever. And then you can get this idea that because you, that's who you are. You, to the essence of your being, deserve to be tortured forever. You monster. You know, God had to kill his own son to distract himself from wanting to torture you forever. You know, and just this like, ah, isn't that icky? It gets, gets kind of scary. I'm, look how far in the ditch we are. We are way over in the ditch. So let's go to the other ditch. You notice how, especially when the pendulum swings real far. Whoa, it goes real far the other way and now love wins. You know, Jesus is a, he's a big fuzzy teddy bear and it doesn't matter what you do and it's all good. And we're just going to get hugs and it's going to be awesome and you can just be an atheist and, you know, whatever. And you go to heaven anyway because Jesus, he's cool, man. He's awesome. And on this side, you've got that Jesus loves you just the way you are. Doesn't he just love you just the way you are? You sick, ugly, you, you know. But he loves you just the way you are. So much that he gave his only begotten son so that you, you sinful, rotten piece could have eternal life. <laughs> Isn't this a mixed kind of a mixed message thing? Is it a little confusing? I mean, if I was, you know, I used to be on the outside. Uh, from the outside, you're not sure, does, does God love me or does He really, really hate me a lot? 
you know, I don't know which one it is because you, hell is pretty severe. And then, but the Christian people tell me Jesus loves me. I don't understand what's going on. So this can be kind of a tricky deal, right? I mean, how do we sort that out? How do we understand this properly? Um, and the goal for today, for us, as it normally is, is to try to get out of the ditches, whichever one you're in, and get up on the road and be driving down the middle of the truth of God. Not off in a condemnation, seething, anger ditch about Judgment Day. And not in a delusional, fuzzy, let's just be in denial kind of ditch over here. Let's find out where the truth is. Now, um, you know the truth isn't up to you. Hate to burst your bubble. Because for some reason, I don't know who told the American culture, but we think that religious concepts are up to us. We get to pick the ones we like. And uh, and so then that's true for me. Try that with taxes. You know, I'm sorry, IRS, but I'm a postmodernist. And so these taxes, I, 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 just, I just don't believe that taxes are for me. It's not working. Um, in fact, I think you should pay me. I, I, that's what I believe. So 50,000 would be awesome. Uh, it doesn't matter what you think. The IRS does what the IRS does. It doesn't matter what we think about God. God is who He is. We need to find out who He is, what the truth is, so we can make the necessary adjustments. It's very, very important. How did we figure that out? How did I assume it's because people don't think it's actually real. If it's not real, if it's just using your illusion then it doesn't matter what it is. Have yourself an illusion. Enjoy it. Right? Well, it's real. <laughs> so, let's see here. Final judgment. Happy stuff. Let's, uh, let's talk about a few things before we get too far down there. Um, one is, I think it's important to have in the back of your mind the idea that, yes, I will stand before God. Yes, I will give an account for my life. And yes, so will everyone else. I think it's very helpful in living your Christian life to be able to have that in the back of your mind and kind of carry it with you. For one thing, it makes some of the things Jesus commands us to do easier. For example, forgiveness. I find it's easier to forgive when I know I am only forgiving what I can forgive. I am breaking the tie of that sin between me and that person. I am severing that cord so I can be free from it. But that person still has to answer to God. I talked to a lady one time years ago who was, she was afraid to forgive somebody because she didn't want them to be completely off the hook. Well, you only can forgive what you have the power to forgive. You can't forgive somebody with God and their relationship with God. You can only forgive them for what you can rightfully hold against them. You can forgive that. They owe that to you. So you can break that. You can forgive that. Um, but they still have to answer God. And if they're not a believer, how's that going to go? 
So if I recognize that, it's easier for me to forgive because they have to answer to God. They don't have to answer to me. My unforgiveness is only hurting me. I'll sever that. I'll forgive. I'll begin the healing process and I'll be able to go forward. And they will have to face the Lord. Judging. Have you ever met somebody who didn't do everything perfectly? Why do we want to correct everyone? I think there's, there's issues there that are pretty deep. But here's the deal. If this person is wrong, and their, their theology is messed up, and they're going to have to answer to God, and they're going to be condemned, me pointing it out doesn't really make much difference. Instead of judging, I should try to help them. I've thought of it like a uh, car crash. If you came up on a car crash, things on, on its side, in the ditch, it's on fire, there's a person in the car, are you going to go up to the car and be like, looks like somebody was driving irresponsibly. <laughs> Is that going to be your natural reaction? I hope not. You should be in a panic to try to get them out of the vehicle that's on fire. It's the same thing with somebody who is in danger of the fire of hell. Why do we judge them instead of trying to help? If we recognize, oh my goodness, this person's in danger, then it, compassion is easy. Somebody's got to do something about that. Well, let's do it. So, uh, also doing your responsibilities in serving God. We will have to answer for that. So, <laughs> Pastor Mike, what was the deal with that? Um, I plead the blood, you know. What, it, you know, it, we have, we're going to have to answer, and so having an awareness of that is very important because then we can make adjustments now that will be very, very helpful later. So, having an awareness of final judgment is very helpful for the believer. Um, and for me, this has been a big deal uh, because I, you know, I grew up in a non-Christian home uh, and I did not run in Christian circles at all. And so when I became a believer, it was a very stark difference. You know, one day I was basically a happy-go-lucky, agnostic, atheist college student and the next day, virtually everyone that I know is going to hell. And I have to carry that weight and think, how am I going to do something? What am I going to do? I didn't even have the capacity to articulate, you know, what the, even the problem was in a way that anybody would believe, you know, it was, it was a, a very helpless feeling. And, uh, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be fairly straightforward this morning. Um, I had kind of a, the anti-salvation experience. You know, my life was fine. And then I met Jesus and it all fell apart. You know, it was like the anti-salvation experience. Um, going to a private college, good, you know, like 
on the right track. Same track as my brother. He's retired now. He's a year older than me. He's been retired for a couple of years. He just works when he feels like it, you know. But um, I was on the same track as him, and uh, and I got saved. And again, I realized, oh my goodness, you know, everybody that I care about has rejected Christ. This is bad. It's a bad thing. And it was it was very very difficult for me to handle. Um, and I, I already was a, was a drinker to a certain extent, but then I drank more, uh, at that point. And so that, that was hard for me. Uh, but then I ended up having to stop drinking because you know how you're sort of like your inhibitions start to go away. And what would happen was once I would get down, down so far, I would start realizing, oh no, you know, pe- people are lost. And I would wail for hours uncontrollably. And I, I just couldn't hold it together. And so I had to quit. It just was, was not working. And uh, so quit, went on with that. Now, that feeling is still in here. It's just that I can hide it real well. You know what I mean? That recognition that people I love and care about are without Christ. They're on the outside. And the long-term prognosis for that is bad. That thing is still in here. One time when I was a new Christian, I had a dream. I love being a new Christian is a great place to be. God just does so many cool things when you're new, you know, to make up for all the stupid mistakes that you make when you don't understand how things go. But uh I had this dream and uh it was like I woke up in this huge it was just amazingly vast white forever and up and I mean everywhere but there was like a solid ground but it was you couldn't see the end it was just and there was a line of people on both sides shoulder to shoulder just forever that way and forever that way and I you know in the dream I'm thinking here we are and I looked I looked down this row and I could see the faces. And I didn't recognize anybody on that side. So I looked on this side and I saw the faces just... And I didn't recognize anybody on that side either. And then that was the end of the dream. And I thought, that's not okay. And I am, you know, if that actually happens, I don't know if it works like that, but if we're in a line like that, I'm planning to be somewhat disruptive in that line. Because, you know, I'm going to go, hey, Celeste, what are you doing? I'm going to be the guy waving at people. 
Hey! You know? My plan is to be, I don't know, maybe in the moment I will be quiet. But right now I feel like what a relief it would be. Anyway, that was a dark time in my life, just realizing, oh my goodness, there are a lot of people without God, and they're my people. But I figured I'd quit whining about it and get to work, and so here we are, right? Here we are. Let's do something. Let's do something about that. So I think it's good to have final judgment in the back of your thinking. Let's look at Daniel chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. We looked at this before. Daniel chapter 12. At that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people, that is the archangel Michael, will arise. There will be a time of distress such as has not happened from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Now, have you heard people say every knee will bow? It's true at this situation. They will come before God and their knee will bow. It doesn't matter what they believe. It doesn't matter how they lived. It doesn't matter their perspective. Their knee will bow. They will be brought before God And then some will be ushered to everlasting life and others to shame and everlasting contempt. Just because your knee bows does not mean you're saved. It means that you go before God and you will have no other choice but to bow your knee. Some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. So we see two possible outcomes for each one of us. One is good and the other is bad. There are two possible outcomes. And they're very, very different. One is good, one is bad. Let's start with the bad one. And talk about that a little bit. We'll try to not slip all the way into spiritual terrorism, you know. Uh, But there are certain realities. Just like with the IRS, you need to know, here's how you handle your taxes, or these penalties will occur. We need to know the situation. So, uh, what is the deal? Let's go to Revelation chapter 20, 11 through 15. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it. Earth and sky fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. So, imagine your knee bowing. Earth and sky fled. This is a powerful, powerful moment. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done. You know, when you look into eternal judgment issues, it doesn't talk about faith a whole lot. It talks about, you know, like the sheep and the goats. It wasn't, well, the sheep had faith and the goats didn't. The sheep believed and the goats, it was, no. 
The sheep fed the hungry, and the goats didn't. The sheep helped out, the goats didn't. The dead were judged according to what they had done. Now, we're, we're going to do the next series that we'll do is going to talk about these sorts of things. How do you know if you're saved or not? We'll talk about works versus uh, faith, you know, grace and works, all that stuff. We'll, we'll iron these things out. Um, but what does it say? The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them, and, and each person was judged according to what he had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. So is Hades the lake of fire? No, it gets thrown into the lake of fire. So that's interesting. The lake of fire is the second death. You know, it says it is appointed unto man once to die, and after that the judgment. The second death is up to you. You can avoid that one. If we're not here when Jesus returns, we'll have died. But the second death, you do no one has to experience that. None of us and no one out there have to experience the second death. We are potentially free from that. The 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 potential energy is there for us all to be freed from the second death. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Would you like to hear the scariest scripture in the whole Bible? Like, not really. (laughs) You're supposed to be uplifting. Um, We'll get there. We'll get to that. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 10. Twenty-six through thirty-one. Hebrews chapter ten. I could spend a half a year teaching on this. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, that is, if you know better. No sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think a man deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified him, and who has insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, It is mine to avenge, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge His people. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. With material like that, you can see how the spiritual terrorism thing would be effective. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. So, How does it work with regards to these books and that final judgment thing if you know the right thing to do, but you don't do it? How does it work? doesn't look good. It's not good at all. Now, I want you to understand something. Salvation is a glorious thing. Let me tell you this again. Salvation 
being set free from judgment and raging fire that will consume the enemies of God is a glorious thing. How many people were at one point in their life in that camp? That if you had to meet Jesus, it would have been to condemnation. I've been there. When you realize that, I didn't even know it at the time. You know what I mean? I was oblivious. But I was there. To think we can be free from that. We can not have to experience that. We can have eternal life, everlasting life, abundant life. We can have that instead. We're going to slide into the good side now. Let's understand what Jesus did on the cross. Okay? What Jesus did on the cross is all sin needs to be destroyed for the kingdom of God to work. You know, I like the mechanical thought of it. Is anybody going to call you names in heaven? No. No. Anybody going to steal from you in heaven? Sneak up behind you and hit you with a bat? You know, any of that sort of stuff? Is that going to happen in heaven? No. So, that stuff must be eliminated. The people who do that stuff can't be there. It it won't work. So that's to be destroyed. Has to be condemned. And we have that stuff in us. So we're in trouble. Because we, we can't go. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That means I have disqualified myself from God's kingdom. Well, now what? That's not good. Well, now what is, yes, condemnation, but Jesus steps in front of us and takes that condemnation for us. He, just with a word picture, He attaches Himself to our sin and is condemned and takes the sin away. And we're left without the sin. Blameless before God. Clean. Able to stand in His presence without condemnation. And we're free. Don't take that for granted. Do not take that for granted. Let's read 2 Timothy 4. 6-8, through eight. Paul here is at the end of his life. He's fought the good fight. Do you know Paul went through some tough things? He was stoned and left for dead. He got the 40 lashes minus one a number of times. He, uh, he had some rough experiences. And here's what he says to Timothy. He had final judgment in the back of his mind. For I'm already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. What is Paul thinking of when he is going to bow his knee before the Lord? He is thinking of Jesus lifting up his chin and saying, Well done, good and faithful servant, Standing him up, putting a crown on his head, and welcoming him in. 
That's what Paul is picturing. He has fought. He has suffered. He has had an impact for the kingdom. And he is thinking that glorious day will come when Jesus will award me a crown. And he says, not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. We all can have that experience. That's what judgment means to Paul. Final judgment to Paul means, I get that. Let's read Revelation chapter 21, 1 through 5. We'll get a picture of the new heavens and the new earth, the place where we get to live. It's going to be awesome. 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and He will live with them. They will be His people, and God Himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. No death, no crying, no pain. How many people are in pain right now? (laughs) No pain. No death. It's going to be good. Did you know the new Jerusalem is huge? It's like 1,500 miles across the city. That's like from here to Louisiana. That's a big town. God is expecting a crowd. He's not trying to keep people out. You understand? 1,500 miles across. He's expecting a crowd. Let's be part of that crowd. You know? Because the door is open. Today is the day of salvation. We can attain that. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. Now, the question, of course, is, How do we go to heaven and avoid hell? (laughs) Right? Because isn't that important? It's it's one thing to hear there are people that go to heaven. And it's another thing to be one of those people. And we want to make sure we got that, right? We're going to cover that in a whole series. We're going to make sure that we got that. Because in today's Christian culture, it's actually pretty easy to go to church, be part of everything, and still go to hell. You can do both of those. And that's a problem. That's not good. Now, the other, the spiritual terrorism people found out that people didn't even want to hear about God. So there was no, you know what I mean? There was, there was, it was hard to do outreach that way. Uh, you had to already believe to be subject to that terrorism. Uh, because when I was an unbeliever, you, you threaten somebody with hell, you're like, there's no such thing, you know? And you, it, it doesn't get the people who don't believe. It only terrorizes the people that do. But now, we're over here where How many people do you think go to church and are going to go to hell? That's not good, is it? You know, in the left behind thing, the the pastor guy got left behind, but the whole congregation went. I thought, if the whole congregation went, that dude's going too. Because, wow, a whole congregation, all of them saved? That's amazing. I doubt there's a single one. 
How do we know? It's been, you know, different people said different things. I'm going to say it in another way, a different way that you, you may not have heard before. Probably not. How do you know if you're going to heaven or not? Here's how I'm explaining it. If you live in the kingdom of God now, you will live in the kingdom of God then. Okay? If you live in the kingdom of God now, you will live in the kingdom of God then. If you don't live in the kingdom of God now, it doesn't matter what technicality you think will help you. It won't. So if I don't live in the kingdom of God, but I was baptized, that doesn't help. If I don't live in the kingdom of God, but I said the sinner's prayer, it doesn't help. If I don't live in the kingdom of God, but I've done a lot of good works, it's not going to do it. If I don't live in the kingdom of God, but I'm a good, faithful church attender, it's not going to work. If you're not living in the kingdom now, whatever technicality you think is going to help you, it's not going to work. God's real smart. He'll see through that. So how do you get in the kingdom of God now? Let's, uh, let's re- read that Luke 17. Last scripture of the day. Jesus is talking to some Pharisees and he's talking about end times things, though I think the Pharisees were probably thinking about kicking out the Romans and making the, uh, the Jewish state sovereign and that sort of a thing. Um, which was what they were all pretty much thinking at that time. Here's what it says in Luke 17. Once having been asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, The kingdom of God does not come with your careful observation, nor will people say, here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is within you. I remember the first time I read that, I thought, what? (laughs) I thought it was an outside thing. Well, it's an outside thing too. But right now, it's an inside thing. It's an inside thing with me, and it's an inside thing with others, And it can be among us if it's inside a bunch of us. The kingdom of God is within you. Now, one more minute. When I was a brand new Christian, again, remember I I was not saved, so I thought, well, I'll just study the Bible for the first ten years. And then after that, I'll read commentaries and I'll learn what other people have to say and that sort of a thing. But since I have no background, I might as well just find out what the Bible has to say. And so I became a pastor when I was 31. So that was only two years after the 10-year period. So I hadn't learned everything that the Christian culture knew about. And people kept talking about the sinner's prayer. And I was just not sure what that was because I had never read about it because it's not in the Bible. And so I was like kind of embarrassed to ask what it was, you know, because everybody seemed to know. and uh, But I didn't know because it's not in the Bible. And uh, <clears throat> here's what's in the Bible, which is the sinner's prayer. Jesus says, repent and follow me. Repent and follow me. That is, turn away from not the kingdom of God and follow him into the kingdom of God. 
For us to do that, we need our sins forgiven and we need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to live for Christ. So repent and follow Him is the sinner's prayer. So when somebody prays the sinner's prayer, of course, it's not the, it's not the magic words that get you into heaven. It's the door is open and that is you walking through the door. And now you're in a whole new environment. You're in a new life. You're living a different thing. It's just walking through the door. If you walk through the door and then you go back out and live the old life, it didn't do you any good. Repent and follow me. I'm going to invite the prayer team forward. We're going to close in prayer. Of course, if you need individual prayer, we've got these prayer warriors. They're good to go. They are, they are ready to pray with you. If you have, if you're not sure if you are in the kingdom, come up for prayer and get in. Is this something to toy with? No. We need to get at this. Uh, we need to be willing to ask Jesus to forgive us of our sins and to empower us to be able to live for Him. And then we need to live in the kingdom of God. If we live in the kingdom of God now, we'll live in the kingdom of God later. So, if you have a prayer need after we close, come on forward. We'll pray, um, but let's all close together now. Heavenly Father, I thank You that today is the day of salvation, that today is the day where sins are forgiven, where we go from death to life, where we go from being in danger of all these terrible things that we learned about and where we can be free from that and be made whole and made clean in Your presence. Oh Lord, let nobody leave this place not having come into Your kingdom. Lord, help us to live our lives for You. Help us to establish Your character, Your ways in our lives and in our circles. Father, I pray a blessing over each one of us. Give us strength and courage that we can face whatever this world throws at us and that we can overcome. So Lord, give us strength. Encourage us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.